You're listening to Campfire Conversations, brought to you by Three Rivers Land Trust, committed to conservation. So this episode is going to focus on the outdoors, just like every other episode of this podcast, and it's going to talk about camping, and it's going to talk about projects that we've closed and how that relates, and it's going to be a good time with marginal sound quality. I hear a lot about, I get a lot of feedback on Sam's in there with the FaceTime audio. We're not together on the boat at this point. We're on dry land. Uh, yeah, sorry about that, guys. We're we're doing what we can, working from home and trying to get back together. And uh, we're not in the office anymore. And so, uh, I guess we're we're kind of partially in the office and out of the office some. But getting together and when we're split up all the time and doing different jobs all across our fifteen county regions, pretty tough, isn't it, Cody? Yeah, it's been it has been easier in the past for sure. Um, but with that said. Let's talk about things we've gotten accomplished since all the world changed. Um, talk about the one of the more recent. We've closed a few projects. Talk about one of the more recent permanent protections we put on a piece of property in Davie. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this one because it wasn't long ago that I moved to the conservation team um, to start working with Cody and Crystal. And Valerie, um, like like I've said many times before, I was uh, on the membership and outreach team, and that was that was my job with the land trust and kind of the capacity of what I did. So um, it's been probably a little bit less than a year since I've started working with Cody and the, and the conservation team, and this is one of the first properties that I really got to have like my fingers in in terms of attempting to protect this this piece of property. It's in Davie County. Uh, if I don't know if y'all, you know, if we picked up new listeners or we've kind of got all the same old loyal folks that are listening, but um, we had a podcast probably about a year ago with a Daniel Boone man uh, named Sim Sim Delap. He's a he's a buddy of mine and a buddy of Cody's. He mentioned this property and and that we were working on it and, and doing our best to protect this property. And and lo and behold, here in July of 2020, we we succeeded in protecting this piece of this piece of property. Uh, for those who maybe didn't listen to that or don't know, Daniel Boone um, came down from Pennsylvania and married a woman with the last name Bryant, um, who were there. They were just kind of the big people, the big name in, in Davie County, North Carolina. And he ended up moving to a couple of creeks uh, that fed into the South Yakin River. Well, Sim DeLapp, among other historians, kind of pinned down that site to a property, um, and it's this property in particular that I'm speaking of. I, I wish I could be more specific. I just kind of want to give the, the landowner his, uh, his privacy, but this property that we just protected permanently um, is the site where Daniel Boone and um, his wife lived and had their kids and lived at this site longer than any other place that he ever lived in his entire life. So take that, Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, stuck on that, Missouri. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's something that Cody and I have talked about a lot. Of just um, 
being anachronistic, if you're if you're a Boone man, if you love Daniel Boone like Sim Glaff or like Cody Folk, um, you admire a few things about Daniel Boone. You admire his character and the man he was, and you admire what he stands for in American history, which is being an explorer and being somebody who would go places that no other man would would go and doing things and living in conditions that no other man could. And I think that's something that this show, and just outdoorsmen and women in general, just anybody who likes the outdoors can see something admirable about those qualities because we're all, um, I think, part something that ties us all together. Anybody listening to the show, anybody who supports the Land Trust is just a, a sheer admiration and respect for the outdoors. And there's nobody that had a more extreme admiration and respect for the outdoors than Daniel Boone. Um, got any thoughts on that, Cody? I think you pretty much said it. I think I think that's I think that's a perfect way to tie into what we were going to talk about, which is yeah, you got the you got the segue for me. Yeah, it's, you know, I wouldn't call it pioneer living, but I'd call it I wouldn't even call it primitive living. I'd call it vacationing to a past way of life. So going camping, you know, um, that's uh, everybody has a desire, whether you want to admit it or not. And I'm, I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast has it, and admittedly so, but everybody has a desire to be connected to nature in some way, shape, or form. Everybody. It doesn't matter if you never go outside and all you do is, is work in front of your computer and play video games as your hobby. Somewhere in your DNA makeup as a human, you have a connection to the outdoors. And you fulfill that through some way that you may not even know. Maybe it's through owning a pet or whatever. Some people have it worse than others. Some people are a little more infected with it. And some people are infected with it to the point that they like to go camping. And that's not a bad thing. It's certainly good. And uh, it's something that we're passionate about and we're going to talk about. Um, and I think that... Uh, yeah, it's super, it's super interesting, man, because we've... In the last few weeks, we've been talking, Cody, you and I have been talking about just, and I, I feel like I did a poor job. I, I speak to the listeners of this podcast like you've heard every episode, uh, and I apologize if I haven't given much context. When when I say that we've conserved that property that I was just talking about, we've, we've protected that property from subdivision, and we've protected it from um, development through a conservation easement. And the land trust in 25 years has done 250 plus conservation easements across the region. And part of my job description and, you know, Cody being my, you know, my superior and my boss um, is kind of divvying out properties every single year. We have to go out to these properties forever in perpetuity and check on them and make sure that the language and the easement is being followed. And one thing that Cody and I have been talking about is summertime, just summertime blues. Um, I think everybody on the staff's been talking about it, which is this time of year, um, it's just, it's rough going to some of these properties because they are protected properties. Some of them are very manicured and very nice. Some of them are wild. Um, they're really, really, they're wild. I don't know how else to put it. You can't see your feet when you're walking around. You can't see your knees when you're walking around. It's thick. And we've come to this, you know, situation where we're accustomed to a certain way of life um, and comforts and things and I find it fascinating that you 
Cody and myself and uh, a lot of people probably listening to this podcast uh, are in their free time when you, you know, you do your nine to five job, just like us, eight to five job. And then on the weekend, you go out and camp and you leave all the comforts behind to get into that mess a little bit. Um, yeah. Isn't that, a, isn't that an odd kind of paradox? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Is a paradox. We've uh, we we've reversed the roles. Whereas two hundred years ago, in their free time, they were trying to be pampered. Yeah, and yeah, for sure. Their daily life was primitive and in the outdoors. And now, I'm not saying our daily lives are pampered, but we have electricity, we have air conditioning, indoor plumbing. Oh, I'll go ahead and say we're. Pa- I, I mean, my daily life is pampered, man. You got a lot to be thankful for. You don't really, oh, for you sure. don't necessarily need any of those things. Um, the only things you need to stay alive are food, water, cover, shelter, space, and arrangement. If you have those things, that's all you need, and it doesn't have to be as nice as as what as what we're fortunate enough to have. So, yeah, we switch we switch it up, and you, you try to revert back and get that. Uh, I don't know that sense of adventure. Um, yeah, I guess it would be be a way to put it, um, or just you know that connection with nature. I mean, everybody's got it. I was looking up. I was looking up a stat before we got started. Um, if you had to take a stab at what percentage of Americans camped, what would it be? Two million. Percentage-wise, though. Uh, you have to take a, per- a stab at the percentage of Americans. 9%. That's a good guess. Um, 61%. 61%. 61% of Americans try camping one time. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Now, oh, if you would have told... Sorry, okay. I phased it, I phased it yeah, away. whoa, yeah. You way, you way <laughs> threw me off on that. If you would have said what percentage of people have tried to go camping once... Oh, I would have said I would have said eighty nine percent. I thought you were talking about like what percentage enjoyed it. Hardcore. Yeah. yeah, what percentage like it? I think I think camping in a lot of ways is like how you talk about how you talk about fishing. You know, <laughs> everybody gets out there and everybody fishes. Nope, I just dis- I disagree with that statement. I think everybody that goes fishing eventually likes it, or at least at least has a fond memory of it. I do not think that do everyone you, who do goes, you really? Yes, I do. I hundred percent do. I think that every single person that's ever been fishing liked it. You're wrong. I, you think I'm wrong? I do. You yeah, do. I do. You don't think they liked having the story to tell later? If they didn't like it, there's a reason they didn't like it. I've seen plenty of people don't have the who don't have the patience for it. Uh, they just didn't go on the right fishing trip. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're definitely right. I think that. I can. I think if this was a challenge and you were like, find someone who's never been fishing and make them like it. Or somebody who has been fishing and says they don't like it. And make them like it. I could do it. I think I could I agree. win that battle nine times out of ten. Well, I've been fishing with you. I agree. I think you could. I mean, who wouldn't like like our last episode, the day that we had there? I mean, who wouldn't like that, you know? So, But camping, I, I, can't, camping. Sorry. I, can't, I can't say that for camping. So, yeah, okay. you, you threw me way off because... <laughs> I'll be honest. I've had some camping trips where I was like, "Yeah, probably not doing that again." But I have to. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about 
well, for one, for ways to not have that happen by having uh-huh. the right stuff. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we tried talking about this once before and got into left field a little bit with too much gear as far as, like, how to keep a family happy on a camping trip. So and I think we can still get into that. I think it's worth getting into because, I mean, you know, you don't know who the listeners are. And, well, I would imagine that most people, if they don't have a family, have either had a family or plan to have a family at some point. Yeah. If they uh-huh. like camping, then they're going to want to take their family camping. Um, and if they don't like camping, they still might want to be that 60-something percent that tries it. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, First off, before we even get into that, just know that here in this 15-county region, the Land Trust, Three Rivers Land Trust, has done a lot for folks that like camping. Um, our Kind of our go-to camping place, it's no secret, is, in this area is the Uwari National Forest. And we've added on lots of acreage to the Uwari National Forest um, through various private funding opportunities and grants to add that acreage into the public trust so you can have a place to camp. And protecting properties that we protect, even though some of them are private lands, it's ensuring that somewhere along the line in the future, there's still a wild place that potentially someone could get permission to go camping on. Um, without places to go camping, there's no camping. I mean, what? Yeah. And, and so, that, and that brings me to a, an additional point. I talked. I did a talk a couple of weeks ago for uh, scouts, for the scouts, a local group, and they were. Uh, you know, due to COVID and, and a couple other things, they were camping in a in a fellow's backyard, you know, because they couldn't really go anywhere, social distance, whatever. Um, but in the back of my mind, the whole time, I was thinking, like, what is the fun? Like, I can maybe as a, as a real little kid, I might would have gotten a little bit of enjoyment out of sleeping outside in the backyard. But, you know, that's just not, it's not, it's not the getting away that I'm looking to have in a camping trip. I mean, that's that's like falling asleep under a shade tree. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. It's just not the same. And I thought about that a whole bunch, and, and I really felt like I wish those kids would have had the opportunity this year at summer camp to to go on the camping trip that their other, you know, scouts that came before them got to go on. You know? Yeah. So, you know, they kind of got the short end of the stick this year. But getting back and to that leads you, what you said, what you said really re- – this isn't something we had like talked about before but really resonated and I think it's all tied together to this point which is 61% of people try camping when we have like we said earlier all the luxuries that a person could ever want at our fingertips most of us if you're if you're an American I mean we're living in the best time ever so what does that like what does that say about the yearning of what human beings desire you know I think there's like this this undeniable yearning to revert back to older times and, and, and enjoy the things in nature in a way that we can't really do that now. And I think that has a direct relationship with the work that we do in conservation. And it shows a trend that um, obviously the 61% over half of our nation's citizens have that direct desire to get more connected with nature than they currently are. And like Cody just said, if you're getting rid, if we continue losing more and more of our natural areas, at some point you're going to not have the ability. You know, right now we have the capability to be able to camp and enjoy these activities, but, um, you know, that that is something that could be lost. They're not making more land, you know. Um, 
that was a really good point, Cody. Thanks, man. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a point that leads us into the topic. And the topic is is how to not be in the, the 60, how to be in the 60%, but to be in the whatever percentage. I don't, did you look up what percentage sticks with camping? <laughs> no, I can, while we're talking, I can look and try to find it now. I don't know how you could even, I don't know how you could even find that. Like, I guess I you know, could I'll see what I can do. Keep going. look and see if, see if there's a census out there somewhere that asks Americans if they camp recreationally or not. I don't know. But anyway, so camping what do you need to be happy like i said earlier to be alive all you really need is food water cover space and arrangement that's that's what every animal needs to be alive that doesn't mean you need a house and a well or city water and a refrigerator full of food and you know a place to go to work that's not what that means that means you need something to keep you out of the elements need something to keep you hydrated you need something to eat to give you nutrients that's it and if you boil that down to its most basic form that's not what we have today um that's it's it's something completely different it's it's much less much much more primitive but to go camping you know we might want to revert back but i don't think we want to go back to the the stone age i don't think that anybody's looking to not have anything any modern necessities so sam and i have kind of compiled a list of stuff that we like that makes it a little easier you're still getting the experience but you're also taking some of that comfort with you would you agree with that sam i would agree with that and i'd also like to work on i'm gonna i'm gonna read off my percentage stats again so i can clarify okay Nearly two-thirds, or 61%, of households in the U.S. include at least one person who camps. Okay, so, so, so that's a lot. But, yeah, but that's a lot. Then also, I was looking up a different stat, and it said, in 2017, 13.7% of the population over the age of six camped at least one time in 2016, which is only 40 0.5 million Americans. So I guess that's just kind of over time. But annually, annually, um, you're looking at 13 to 14% of people that'll go out once a year and will camp. There you go. So, and right, that, we're back. And I think that's going into a, you know, camping by definition is not spending the night in your own house or motel. And I would bet that number is way up this year. Um, oh, that's and that's what that's why this episode I think it has some bearing right now is because I think it's way up. I think people are trying new things or they're doing things that they hadn't done in a while and camping. Like of get out of the house, you know. Yeah, it's something you can do and legally get away with right now. Uh, <clears throat> and I think it's it's wonderful, but you know if you. If, if you are new to camping or if you're an old hand at camping, I think this episode will benefit you in some way if it's nothing other than to entertain your drive to your camping spot. So, starting with that, we compiled this list, and number one thing on my list, are you ready, Sam? Number This is number one top priority item, have it. item on a camping trip. You ready? Uh-huh. Yeah. Toilet paper. Period. End of end of conversation. 
and I'm not saying you and that does that fall under the categories of food water cover space and arrangement no it does not fall in any of those categories it falls in the category of I like toilet paper and so does everybody else luxury it's a luxury item it's a luxury item but you know what it's something that's going to make me more comfortable and it's going to allow me to stay longer and have a better time and if you're going camping like there are times where I go camping and I would like to test myself and my toughness, but I've never went on a camping trip thinking, sure wish I didn't bring toilet paper. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've went on a camping trip and said, oh man, I forgot the toilet paper. I've oh, definitely yeah. been on that camping trip. And I think that the Americans in that 60 some percent that went on the camping trips one time and never went again, were on that same trip. <laughs> Actually, uh, but I've also met people who've done the opposite. Like I, I, I think I told you this. I went out to I won't name the river because it's a river I fish pretty often. Um, but there's camping right along the river, and I met a guy, a young couple that were doing their first camping trip, and I talked to them. Um, both of their first camping trip from Salisbury, North Carolina, and we were three hours away. Um, and so we ended up talking for a while, and they were they were like, it, I, it was <laughs> it was like four, maybe three in the afternoon. I had like my full fishing equipment on, and they're like, "You guys," I was with my roommate. They're like, "You guys want a shot?" <laughs> was, <laughs> a shot of what? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, "Huh?" And they're like, "Yeah, come on, come on over here." Um, and I, I at that point I wasn't gonna have a shot, but I was I was very interested in seeing their setup first time campers and stuff so I walk around the corner and gum check out their site and they had a 10 by 10 pop up tent now this is not a drive up spot this is uh, probably uh, 3 eighths of a mile in so they had a pop up tent 10 by 10 which you know how heavy those are they had a cooler and he's like yeah we're living you know we're living we're doing good we're enjoying it um, with a 48-pack of hot dogs and a full-size, like, gallon ketchup and mustard and about, a, and about 100 beers in that cooler. And then uh, a full pack of burgers. And then I looked at their tent, which was probably an 80-person tent for the two of them. And there was, I, I guess, between the two of them, they probably had enough clothes to, I mean, I think they had more clothes in that tent than I have at my house. Um <laughs> And I was like, I was like, how long, I was like, how long are you guys staying here? And they're like, well, it's a long weekend, um, so we're, we'll be here for, we'll be here for two days unless we, you know, it's just, it was unbelievable to me, <laughs> their unpreparedness. And I hope somebody like that might listen to this too. No, they're o- they over-preparedness, I think. Oh, yeah, there's, you've got to strike that happy medium, Absolutely. Oh. Well, Absolutely. So, what like what items like toilet paper are a must, and then what non-essential items like should should be left behind? You know. Yeah, I think that's a that's a non-essential but still a must in the in the TP. Oh, category. I agree. Um, yeah, I agree. But you know, for me, that's 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 an item that I'm 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 fond of. But I'll give you my I'll give you my non-essential but must. I know. I already know, know, already know what it is. I already know what, what is it? Hit, hit, hit him with it. A pillow. Yeah. 
I, I, all day long. See, and I so me, that's out that taking a pillow camping is the most absurd thing I've ever heard of. Like until you explained yourself fully to me on the pillow thing, and I've talked to other people about it since. I thought that like you went down a notch in my book. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather I, I'm 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 being serious here. I'd rather have a pillow than toilet paper. Yeah, and, ten times out of ten. And that blue when you told me that the first time, I thought that something was wrong with you. Mm-mm, no. Look, it's just you know I think there's plenty of people when we're talking about that group that goes camping one time and then they they bail on it. I think part of that is like the ability or inability to sleep if you have just a horrifically which you've had and i've had too yeah every nights, time I, when i camp with you <laughs> yeah just nights where sleeping's really really bad and i'm you're freezing cold or you you know every um, year on but, august 31st <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but i tell you what if you can get a good night's sleep on that first camping trip and you're well prepared and you're going to be warm and um that's a big that's a big i mean if you're trying to introduce somebody to camping um making sure that they are comfortable sleeping is important and 99 percent of people i feel like in america haven't haven't spent a night who have never camped have not spent a night without a pillow agreed point, so if they point, you know if that's point made. if not having a pillow is not gonna they're not gonna be accustomed to that that first night camping is going to be brutal for them. So let them bring a pillow. It's just a, it's something that's going to make them feel more comfortable, sleep better, and and uh, I, I still do it. I mean, that's what I'm all about. It. I know you are. Um, okay, so I went first on the last one. Give me your next. Give me another item. Another item. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and while you're, th- I guess while I guess while I'm talking, while I'm talking, sleeping. Uh, I think we, again, differ on a few things, but we'll be similar in, in other ways. So I'm going to do, like, bedding. Go ahead. Um, sure. Uh, air mattresses. Uh, I have I have just an inflatable mouth-blow-up air mattress. Um, that's a must. But I think you and I differ in terms of the way that we like to sleep. I like a lightweight hammock um, and a rain fly. That goes over the top. Those are like this my my sleeping situation. But I think the big one, the biggest thing I think for camping uh, is probably having two sleeping bags um, for your bedding situation. Having a cold weather bag and a warm weather bag. Um, one bag. I mean, I guess it depends on where you live, but generally one bag isn't going to cut it. Okay. If you have well, your, if you, well, let's look, look at it. Okay. I think everybody's going to be able to get what you're saying with a warm weather bag and a cold weather bag. One that's rated yeah. for one that's rated for extreme cold and one that's rated for heat. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, for so sure. Uh-huh. If you had to pick a like if you were going to buy one sleeping bag, say you're getting into camping and you're going to buy one bag. Uh-huh. What what rating are you going to go with? I know exactly which one I'm going to pick. 35. You're going to go to the 35. Yeah. So me, I'm going to go with a 0. I'm going to go with a 0 degree bag. Not in North Carolina. For me, not here. Uh, um, but I see what you're saying, too, which is you're probably going to unzip and, and have that zero-degree bag open, um, 
right? Is that, yeah, is that just how use you it, run it in the summertime. Like if you've only got one bag. Now I have I have multiple sleeping bags, but yeah, there was a time where I was on a budget, and oh yeah, I only ran one bag, and I ran a zero degree bag, and it worked out just fine because I'd use uh, it as a blanket in the summertime. Yeah, and you know the ground is cool beneath you, so didn't really have any issues with getting overheated. And then in the wintertime, I could camp in some real serious conditions with, with that bag. Um, if, I were, if I were to go out for a week today, if I were to leave today for a week to go camping, um, this if you're listening to it later, it's July, it's mid-July, I would take a sheet. Yeah, exactly. I would take a sheet before a, 30, before a 35 degree bag. Yeah, going, like, say you're going camping on Carolina Beach for the weekend. Yeah. A zero yeah. degree bags like not gonna be fun. Um, it might yeah. like uh, you can lay on top of it and it'll be like a really nice cushion for you, but uh, you're not gonna cover up anyway, so you can still get by. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take a sh- like I'm gonna use a beach towel. Yeah, uh, and you've been and like I think you have like a different number than I would have just because you've been you've been in places that are like I've never done a winter. I've I've camped in extreme cold. I've camped in cold, but I haven't camped in, I have not camped in your cold. For North North America, I've camped in as cold as it gets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, negative, negative X. Um, Yeah, sure. It's it's been cold. But anyways, yeah, sleeping bags, 100% got to have some kind of, you got to have some kind of sleeping system, whether it's a bag, whether it's you're running an air mattress and sheets. And I think we're tying. I'll tell you what I've got. I'll tell you my air mattress. I've got a, just a little, again, it's kind of on that edge of, you know, we started all this talking about Daniel Boone. I mean, we've, with the technology that we've got, it's just not even like the same thing, what we have at, at our fingertips, even with camping compared to, you know, that situation. But I think there's something there's something to be said about finding that fine line of, of comfort um, that Cody was talking about and those items that just make, you can still enjoy um, roughing it, but just little things that, you know, that add to the experience. I've got a sleeping pad called a Nemo sleeping pad. You know anything about that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I used to have a Nemo. Well, this, their new, their new um, sleeping pads have a, it's basically like a pump setup that's lightweight. It weighs no more than the rest of the bag that you just step on with your foot. So instead of having to blow into the bag to fill up your inflatable air mattress, you just step on that inflatable bubble in the bag and it fills up your thing without having to blow. Um, that's a pretty sweet little, I mean, it's not super expensive. I prefer an inflatable air mattress like that. Um, mouth blown up or foot blown up whatever mattress over your standard like foam rollout pad uh, I just don't sleep as well and I feel like I can feel rocks and such you know it was a standard foam and it's, it, they're heavier you know yeah. I feel like you and I have the equipment um, I would say we're not up to date necessarily with all the new trends and stuff so we're kind of, you know we've been running old gear and outdated camping gear for a long time. camping gears like cell phones every year it gets yeah. Every year it gets more badass. Um, yeah. And, I mean, that's mm-hmm. just the truth. My my gear is so outdated. It's, it, I mean, it's it would be considered primitive by today's standards. But yeah, it, it, works, I agree. it works just fine. Now, my, 
my diff- we'll get foam off. Foam of- pads, in my opinion, foam pads are an antiquated system. Yeah. Uh, like your roll-up tight bungee cord onto the outside of your pack foam pad. It's the benefits of a inflatable nice air mattress in terms of your sleep is going to go along. It's going to go a long way. It's worth it. They're about the same price. And that's I would spend my money on on something like that. Um, that's it for betting. Yeah, I think we I think we covered it. Daniel Boone had a betting system. He had a, he had a bed roll. I mean, every cowboy ever has had some kind of betting system. It just wasn't quite what we're running today. Yeah. Um, but that, Lightweight. That that falls under the under the category of shelter and necessity. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's bump up. Let's turn it up a notch and go with something that, just like Daniel Boone, is still relevant today. It was relevant with him. It's been relevant for humankind as a species to remain viable. Oh, can I guess? Go ahead. Fire. Fire. Without without fire, humans have no control over the environment. Period. Fire is what what gives humans the leg up, the ability to use fire, manipulate fire, and tools to make fire. So that hasn't changed. Now, how we create fire has evolved significantly. Um, my preferred preferred camping item in this category and it's a it's it's not necessarily a, a must but my preferred item is a just a straight up old bic lighter um just your, your run-of-the-mill gas station cigarette lighter and i tell you that like there's a there's a gazillion kickoffs of survival lighters and camping lighters and windproof zippos i mean there's everything and zippos are fun but the thing about a Bic is, is it's cheap. It's like less than a dollar. And if you lose it, you haven't lost much. And it will light no matter what, as long as you get it out of the wind. If you get it soaking wet, it's still good. I mean, dry it out, it's still going to strike and light. And you're good for several thousand ignitions. So that's my preferred fire starting tool. Have you got a preferred one, Sam? Lighter. Just straight up cigarette lighter. Yeah, um, big lighters good for me. I, I always in my pack I'll have a waterproof uh, cylinder with like twenty matches in it. Oh, you still carry matches um, too? Yeah, I hear you. I do as a backup. I mean, you, there's nothing more important than having fire when nothing, you're camping. Nothing more. I important. totally agree. What's the point of going camping what? without it? Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was just about to say. Yep. And if you like, if you're going to a place that's on a burn ban. For fire, like I get it. If it's wildfire season and they don't want you having fires or whatever, I mean, I get it. But deep down, we all know that the whole point of going camping is to sit around the fire. Um, so, never once have I come to a campsite unless it's just like super late at night and I'm getting in real late, where I've been like, uh, no, no, no fire tonight. I'm not feeling a fire tonight. Yeah, e- even when me and you are camping for work, I mean, first thing we do when we roll up is like, all right, who's getting the wood and, and who's who's getting the fire going? Like, yeah. one of us is getting wood and the other one's starting the fire. I mean, that's, that's what yeah. we... We don't even ask each other. We just do it. Uh, yeah. And it's because that's what we both know. That's, that's, that's what we're here for. But 
I do have a, a backup fire starting system that that I think is super cool and, and, and super yeah. primitive. It's the Light My Fire Swedish Fire Steel. It's a little T-tiny. Ferrocidium is the component that this rod is made up of. It's 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 a steel. It's it's exactly it's exactly what pioneers and woodsmen and humans have been using to make fire for forever. But this thing is in a little condensed package, keychain sized package, and all it is is you you strike it with with a with a hard steel like the back of your pocket knife blade or the little striker it comes with, and it throws a shower of extremely hot sparks and your goal is to have your tender set up to where you're going to shower dry combustible material with this shower of sparks when you throw it off when you strike this thing and i mean that there's nothing much more rewarding than starting a fire with something like that in the old school method um and this thing makes it super easy makes you look like you really know what you're doing and it's like 15 bucks on amazon so I've, yeah, and I, one thing that I guess made me excited about that was I've never, I've never once, I've had plenty of strikers, you know, growing up, um, and different tools to create fire without fuel or a lighter or matches or whatever. Um, I've never been impressed with them. Never once have I been like, this one really is yeah. a good one. Nope, me either. Um, me either. This is the first one for me. And still, you're like, well, why why not just take a lighter? Well, good point. Point taken, if you say that, because I agree, you should just take a lighter. But there's something to be said about being able to make a fire without a lighter or matches, and even more so to be said without making it with a store-bought ferro rod. Um, like, there's also something to be said about having a backup plan so, and one that works. Yeah, so learn how to... If you, even if you're not into, you know, survival and, and stuff, but you're going camping every now and then, and you got some spare time on your hands, learning how to make fire with raw materials is a really good skill to have. And it's super, it's super cool, it's super exhausting, but it's also super rewarding. Um, and something that I wish I practiced more often. But I'll be honest, when I get to the campsite, I'm just like we just said, like, let's get a fire going. And I'm not looking to spend three, four hours getting some something to smolder, you know. So yeah. I feel like if I have more time on my hands at some point, I'll practice it more. I mean, can I do it? Yeah. But it's going to take me a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, I've done I've done um, that stuff before. And it's it's I. I would very much, I agree, I would very much like to get in my yard every once in a while and just practice and work on it because it's a, a, I mean, if somebody goes out and rips a fire in front of you using sticks and a bow they made or something, I mean, talk about going up in their books. I remember how I was saying pillow, pillow made me go down in your book? Yeah. you, you Like rip- somebody ripping a fire with like a bow that they made out of, you know, string and a piece of stick and a log. Yeah. Yeah, you're... That's that's an up. That's upward trajectory, right there. For Ag- sure. Agreed. Agreed. You get you get points, but yeah. so, so that's another necessary item. So whatever your preferred fire starter is, um, if it's nothing, and you're the kind of person who can just make fire out of whatever materials laying around, then kudos to you. Yeah. 
Um, so your turn, man. I, I covered I covered a, a necessity for survival. I I'm gonna do one that you've that you've railed into me, um, but I use it all the time um, for comfort for everything. Uh, the multi tool. Yep. Yep. It's just a. I mean, it, it's it. We've talked about it so many times that it's really not even worth going into. But a knife isn't going to cut it. Um, you're going to use that thing for everything: for cooking your food, for cutting up food, for sawing up logs. The last guy, the last, ready. the last guy to win the show alone, Leatherman Multi Tool was the only knife he brought. Yep. And he, I mean, won the show. So there you go. It's a must. It's a must. I think it is too. And so. Must, well, I mean, what more? What more? To, what more can I say? There? Well, I think I you mean, can compare. If you, you know, want to compare it to Dan, if you, you want to compare it to Daniel Boone, Daniel Boone had a multi tool. He just didn't know it was a multi tool. Like he had, yeah. he had whatever his preferred knife was that func- served a bunch of functions. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't just for cutting stuff. It wasn't just for skinning. It was for everything. And, you know, matter of fact, Sim gave me a handmade replica of one of the knives that Boone supposedly carried. And I've got it. And it's a little short, fixed blade, through tang uh, knife made out of really nice Damascus steel. And it's got a antler handle. Now, that knife has some unique characteristics in that it's got a little groove Right, right in front of the the brass knuckle guard um, that you could use for you know prying stuff open, pulling nails out, um, you know, like it's got multiple uses there. So I think I think a multi tool is in that in the category of necessity. Now, if you were dropped out naked and afraid, and you didn't have a multi tool, could you make it? Yeah, but you'd have to come up with some kind of tool. Why not just have it on you? Um, so yeah, multi yeah. multi tool falls in the falls in that same category as fire for me as well. Um, let me think here. What do I want to talk about next? I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a uh, an item that's not not absolutely necessary by any means, but certainly it it holds a lot of fond memories for me. But it's it's also something that like you're not really camping unless you got it. And for me, it's a lantern. Um, and I like a, I like an old school propane Coleman lantern. Um, with, if you're backpacking in somewhere, you take a. You oh take no, a, no 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 no! If this I'm is just a, this is just this, camping. This is truck camping. This is going a couple hundred yards from the truck to camp. This is camping. You know, this is just camping. This ain't going in the backcountry. I ain't taking a lantern in the backcountry, no. But okay, if, I'm, gotcha. if I'm going on a summertime gotcha. camping trip, like just a camping trip somewhere, yeah, the lantern's coming. And it's just, I like that old yellow glow. Those I like watching it light when I light those mantles up. I like it when the mantles break and I have to figure out how to retime in the dark. I mean, I like all that stuff. I like the, I mean, it's just, it's just something I like and I've always done it. But, not necessary, but I think some kind of light is uh, on the verge of being necessary because in the dark, 
in the dark. I mean, a fire puts out some light, but, you know, why not have something? Whether it's a lantern, whether it's a headlamp, whether it's both, um, it's up to you. But I think a light is, is in that category of not ne not necessary, but essential. I was reading this article about this tribe um, that was, for the longest time, um, hunter, there still are a hunter-gatherer tribes in South America um, and they <clears throat> had no no modern technology um, and somebody had come in in the last you know handful of years and had said hey we can build y'all we can build y'all solar panels and get you light for your for your village here if that's you know if you want and this author who'd come in there um was mourning i guess mourning the loss of culture um you know and that's what that was kind of the the way the story that he was planning to write was going was these these traditional peoples were losing their way of life by being given this modern tech so he went to the tribes people with a with a translator and said you know what do y'all think about this light you know what do y'all think about these new lights and uh he said the people the villagers looked at him like he was an idiot and they were like uh we like it we can see in the dark now <laughs> and it was like that as simple as that you know and yep. he like slowly began to realize that like you know this, no matter what your culture is, it's not like they were hanging on to this thing and it no, like had were, this like deeper in, meaning. Or, yeah, they were planning yeah. to live in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like they didn't have another option, and to have lights at night was like it's it just universally a, a desired thing. Um, yep. Which yep. I thought was a fascinating, you know, just story. I, I agree with that, and I will I will tag on that with an opposite, which would be light pollution. Um, when, you, when you go camping, nobody that was wants. So funny! I was just talking about this. Dude, I'm no, glad you brought that up. I'll be honest with you. If I'm at a campground, which there are a couple of campgrounds at places that I like to fish that I frequent, and that's why I'm not going to name them. But those campgrounds have some of those, you know, security lights or whatever, the night lights on the telephone poles, and uh -huh. I strive to not camp near one of those, while other folks are striving to get a site near the light so they don't need a lantern or whatever um, and they can see in the dark. But to me, I like it being black dark when I'm camping and then if I need a light, I'll just turn one on. Um, so that's my little bugaboo about campgrounds. So I, I had a conversation recently with Steely and Ben, our buddy Ben, and we were talking about light pollution and the effect it has on, you know, you hear about people like stargazing. It's basically where this conversation was going. You hear about people stargazing, and you're like, I don't really get it. I don't really, I don't see the appeal of staring up at the stars. Well, have you, you probably have never seen the stars in a place where, uh, like it was 200 years ago. And we were, the stars, if you've ever camped, I mean, you have, Cody, I know you have. If you've ever camped in a place where there's zero light pollution and there's no big city within 50 miles, it's the most unbelievable, 
is better than I mean, it's better than the most high definition television show you could ever watch, it's, in my opinion. It's wild. You just need some Pink Floyd playing in the background. And you got yourself <laughs> a heck of a good time. <laughs> so um, they were talking about, which is news to me. I didn't know this about this tech that could be used to reduce light pollution in our nation's cities significantly. And all it would be is just like different hoods that put light down at a 45 degree angle. And if it was universally adopted, like you could see the stars again, even being in, you know, the outskirts of Salisbury, if that became like a law where parking lots that had those exposed lights had to use this, this angled light hood to send the light downwards, that it would immediately allow you to see the stars again. I'm, I'm all about that, man. I think that's, it's, that's I think a law that I would... I think it's a good. I, I think you should push. No, it's a law I'd get behind. You should p- pursue that in your political career. Oh, um, I think you. it's a pla- I, I think best. it's a platform that folks would back. Um, I don't know, dude. I I, I'll tell you, I got so fed up with secure. The first place I lived that had a security light, I got so fed up with it because I couldn't stand it not being dark outside. Dude, I shot that thing out. I ain't yeah. gonna lie to you. I, I went outside one night and I was like, "All right, it's time for the lights to go out." But uh, I think the same. I think the same people that would ball up their McDonald's bag and throw it out the window <laughs> are going to be the ones that are going to be vocal and be like, "Oh, we don't need, we don't need to put these fancy hoods, use tax dollars to put these fancy hoods on these lights, you hippie, <laughs> you know, or whatever." But uh, I mean, come on, man! How nice would it be to be able to see just a brilliant? Starry night every night well, you get out. And, you're getting I mean, on to you're getting on to a big topic there with like I mean there's a lot more than just the the coolness of seeing this seeing the atmosphere man. Light pollution has a huge effect on wildlife, um, like to the point where it has actually caused some wildlife to nearly go extinct um, because they don't know when to go to sleep or they don't know how to feed or they don't they can't keep up with the moon cycles. Um, I mean, light pollution is an actual serious problem for wildlife too. So, so yeah, I, I, I'm with you that the people that that don't like getting that under control are the same ones that are wadding their McDonald's up and throwing it out. <laughs> it's just two different kinds of pollution, man. Yep, it's all the same. It's all the, sa- it's all the same. Um, so, all right, keep going. I talked about lanterns and lights. Okay, um, so I guess it's me. Get, give me one. Water purification. Um, I guess that's kind of more for like a backcountry scenario. And so, and let me, um, can I jump in one time? One yeah. thing what's hot on my mind. Um, so we're talking about what's necessary, what's not necessary. So for Daniel Boone era, water purification was still necessary, and they still did it through boiling water, but it wasn't as necessary as it is into in present day for obvious reasons. So that said, this, this to me, what Sam's going to talk about, falls in the category of necessary. Whether you're going to take something like he's talking about or whether you're going to take something to boil water in, this is, nece- <clears throat> this is necessary. Continue. A lot of folks will go to like, you know, the campsite and they'll have a spigot, and that's great. Nothing wrong with that. Um, if you're going to go back somewhere, you know, you're definitely going to want one. I... 
I actually, my, my roommate, uh, or my former roommate, I actually have permanently moved into my house in Salisbury now, so I'm, uh, I'm, we're no longer roommates, I guess. But, um, he, his parents owned a, I'll give them a free advertisement, because it's such a cool shop, own a local um, backpacking shop called The Local Hiker in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and, um, it's a pretty it's a pretty neat place, but he's always got cutting edge gear um, that I get to you know use and witness whenever we go camping together. And I think of all the things that he's shown me and used in front of me and let me use. Um, gosh, I wish I had the exact name. It's it's called, it's a gravity water purification system. Um, I'll look it up. I know exactly to, what it is. Yeah, I'll look. Uh, it up. Um, but it's a bag. Uh, and you can just literally dip the bag into the creek. It's a big bag, and it's got a filtration device on the bottom of it, and then a hose. And you just take that, that bag with a which has a rope tied to it, and just hang it up on a tree branch. And then the water is going to go through the filter, and there is no pumping. There, you know, I'm sure anybody who's ever dealt with a water purification system, unless you use like iodine tablets or something, uh, you use the old school. It's what I have. The old school pumping. You know, pump your arm out to get a little bit of water, water purification system. Um, these gravity systems, these gravity water purification systems are the ticket, man. Um, you just dip it in the creek, hang it up. It has a, a adapter that goes right onto the top of like a Nalgene, which is another item that is a, you know, especially if it ties into your gear. Something to drink um, out of, period. Yeah, Something. but like a, you know, a Nalgene that kind of ties in with your equipment, your like water purification equipment where you've got an adapter that goes right onto the top of the Nalgene so that water goes straight into there. Um, that's really nice too. But if there was a water purification system, then I would recommend it be that one. Um, just because, and I, I don't even own one. I've just used there's, it once or twice. Uh, so there's a couple brands. There's the off-grid clean water kit. There's the Life Straw Flex bag kit, the Hydro Blue bag kit, and the Sawyer Products bag kit. I'll have to look at them. Zero Water yeah. is another one. Um, there, you look up bag filters. Um, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, very very cool. But yeah, so I'm still High running. Tip on gear. Yeah, I'm still running the pump system. Also, Me too. Um, I like. I like. I've got upgraded this year. I actually upgraded pumps. I was. I had. I still have a you know in bottle water filtration system that has an iodine cartridge in it that you just you dip the bottle in the creek and then just screw the lid on and drink out of the bottle and it filters it as it comes through the 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 drinking apparatus and that's that's fine but it's for one person and it's just for drinking like you can't sit there and squirt water out enough to cook with you know if you're trying to like cook noodles or something and it's just it's not it's not great and so I upgraded to the the uh, MSR mini works um, filter this year and I've used it a couple times so far I like it uh, I also use iodine tablets um, I keep uh, I buy them in bulk, man. I buy them at 500 at a time. So, stay stocked up on, on water tablets. Yeah. Because sometimes about, I'll drop them in my well, too, to be honest with you. It's just just good practice. You do what? I'll drop them in my well. Do you really? Oh, yeah. I'll usually drop uh, a lid, a cap full of Clorox, 
and four tablets in my well about every every three months. Uh, I just got I just got a well for the first time. When you start um, when you start getting funky tasting water, it's time to do a little Clorox treatment. Okay. Um, or or if you've got white appliances, white sink, white toilet, white whatever, and it starts getting uh, stains from heavy water. Um, yeah, sure. That's something you can do, but it's nice. It's nice to shock your well every now and then. You can test the pH in it and see what it needs to be and and get it back to neutral. But it's just like treating a pool, man. Um, Every now and then you need to shock it. Um, So Clorox. That's a hot tip for me. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know. Grew up on on well water, so (laughs) got a little experience with with that. Um, For sure. Yeah, that's getting off topic. Camping gear and water treatment. I think that's... I think those are items that neither one of us would be caught dead without and i think the last thing that um i would put on my list of, of stuff that i like to take camping is something to cook with um i was just about to i was just that was gonna be my next sam one. included good, something good to drink out of in his thing and that that goes for even truck camping you're still gonna have something to drink out of even if you bring a case of bottled water with you i mean you got bottles um but me, I like, I've got a couple things I like. If I'm only going to take, like if I'm going on a backcountry trip, no joke, no matter how far in the backcountry I'm going, I'm going to take a little number number 10 cast iron skillet. I, and I don't... <laughs> I, you, you know I've been known to take a cast iron skillet. And I don't skillet. care what people say. I don't care what, what pro hiker tells me that that's a stupid move. I don't, I don't care because... I like it. It works for me. It doesn't add that much extra weight to my deal, and I'll cut weight somewhere else. Um, I, it's just when I'm cooking, when I'm going camping, and I'm going to cook, I'm not going to eat. You know, I'm not going to eat freeze-dried meals every every time because I'm probably going to catch some fish. I'm probably going to do something, and I like to have a frying pan. And even if I am going to eat freeze-dried meals, I'm still going to use my frying pan. You know, I mean, I'm going to use it. And it's, yeah, having a cast iron, having a cast iron skillet over the fire yeah. is that's like there's no more iconic picture, picturesque. There's no more. It's, it's, it's the most, yeah, it's it's cowboy. It's real cowboy, and it's it's just something I like, and so it's something I'm going to always do. And it's the thing about it is, is it's useful. Like you said, either over open fire and extreme heat or over a camp stove. You can use it just as easily. Whereas your basic mess kit for camping is only going to be compatible with a camp stove and with, a, with you know flames that are on even heat. And if you stick that thing in hot coals that are 10,000 degrees, it's going to crinkle up like a beer can. Or at the very least, it's going to turn the bottom of your pan blacker than coal. Um, so, you know, cast iron's where I'm at now. If I were trying to go lightweight, I'd go with one of those super nice MSR, you know, mess kits that's, you know, whatever, Teflon-coated titanium. Those are nice. I don't own one. I don't plan to own one. I don't need one. i got a cast iron skillet. But... Going on a big camping trip, like like a big truck camping trip, I take a couple of skillets. I take a non-stick pan with a lid, 
and I'll take a cast iron. Yeah, I don't even know what the like the stove technology has come to. Like, I still have a pocket rocket from when I was like in Boy Scouts and stuff. And that's you know that works fine, but I'm sure there's way better stuff than that. I just don't know it. You know. Well, that's a good point. So if you're interested in stove technology, go check out our friends at Backcountry and Beyond. Oh wow! I was wondering when you were gonna slip that. I've been, I've been saving it. So if those guys are listening, they're wondering why I didn't talk about them at the first part. I've been saving it up for this. So they've got talking about stove technology and how far it's come. This is the only store I know of anywhere around that you can actually go see one of these things in action, and they'll 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 let you play with it. But um, they've got a brand called BioLite. And it's a camp stove that burns natural fuels. So, still burning the stuff you find in the woods. Twigs, sticks, leaves, whatever. Pine needles, pine cones, natural fuels. And you stuff them in there and get this thing going. And it will, the way it's designed, with its convex shape, it will heat like 20 times hotter than it would if you were just burning those fuels in a fire pit. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to picture it, but yeah, I, I'm following. Yeah. I, I dig that it uses natural fuels. That's that's pretty slick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it does that, and it gets it gets it puts out way more heat than than you could just burning this stuff and cooking on a rock. And, oh, I like that. And then here's talk about stove technology. So it weighs next to nothing. And it comes with its own pot that snaps onto it. So you can actually fill this thing up with fuel, get it going, and and cook. Any, like, you can hang it out of a tree limb and have your soup going while you're camping up in a tree 40 foot up. I mean, you don't have to have level ground is what I'm getting at to cook on, to use this thing. You can hang it up. It all snaps together. And so your pot is actually snapped to the top of your stove. Um, so that's neat and it all packs yeah. packs down super cool but the third thing about it is it's got a dang inverter built onto the side of it a power inverter that's built onto the side of it that as you're generating heat through burning these natural fuels it's got two or three usb ports that you can plug in charge up your headlamp charge oh, up crap. yeah oh yeah charge up your headlamp charge up your cell phone charge your computer uh, if you're working remotely, um, run your, uh, I mean, run your gear and charge it up, you know, enough to get a, get a charge for, you know, a 20 minute charge or whatever, whatever. So yeah, you can generate your own power while you're cooking. And it's, uh, it comes with like, you can buy all these accessories, like a little flex light that plugs into it that you can light what you're cooking. So when you're cooking at night, yeah, we like we like yeah. to see what we're doing at night. Well, this stove's got a light built in that doesn't need batteries. So, I don't know. It's Stove technology's come a long way, and at Backcountry and Beyond, they're staying on top of it. And so they're selling this they're selling this product, which I don't own one. I'm very envious of them, and I would say jealous of the folks that have them. And I think it's super cool, and if I owned one, I would use it all the time. Yeah, I don't even have a kitchen right now. I probably should go get one because I have nowhere to cook. They're uh, for my grill. They're super cool. The first time I saw them was in the store, and I was asking Jeff about them, and, and he showed them to me, and I was just like, "Man, that is cool." And then 
I saw it again on a on a show, some TV show. They were testing gear. Like I like watching gear testing shows because I like I like gear. And they were testing this thing out, and it's actually fairly well made. Um, it did well in the show. Yeah, they they recommended it as a product at the end, so they don't recommend just anything on that show. So it was. Uh, yeah, it, it it told me that when I'm in the market for a new stove, I'm like you. I'm running, I'm actually running more old school than you. I don't I don't even have a pocket rocket. I'm running a one eyed cooker, um, that screws onto a bottle of propane. Like, I'm I'm going way old school. And when I go camping in the back 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 country, that's still what I take. I take one bottle of propane and that one eyed cooker. Um, me and when, when, uh, Aaron and Walker and I went to Montana. And- of Wyoming and did Yellowstone and all that. We're using his dad's, um, his dad's like 1970s white gas cooker. Was it a like bookcase style? It was a LL Bean. Nice. Uh, briefcase yeah. white gas cooker. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, those are those are still those are still sold today. They're actually really good stoves, but they're old school and they're but like you're not backpacking with one of those. That's oh no, that's a no. that's a truck camping stove yeah. for sure. But yeah. but they are. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with you, man. I've eaten a lot of meals off of those. Those are nice. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad, he's he's a firm believer in the in the briefcase style stove. While we're going while we're going down this path, um, or kind of, I guess we're getting close. What how, what time are we at? Yeah, we're pretty much there, man. I've, I've covered I've covered all the gear that I wanted to cover. Um, let's do a um, let's do a rapid fire. Let's do a rapid fire. Things that are easy to forget that may not be like the like the main items on the list that you've forgotten. And like a toilet paper or something like that. Okay. I forgot. Uh, yeah, I can. Oh, I'm I'm good at this. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go first. If go, that's cool. go. Seasonings. Okay. If you're cooking, <laughs> yep. don't forget your salt and pepper. Have like a little, have a little compartment in your bag or with your cooking stuff, and have like a. You don't need the full salt shaker and pepper shaker, but have like a little small travel case with salt, pepper, and then your favorite seasoning. You ready for a hot tip on that? Yeah. Go ahead. Go to an Arby's or a KFC and uh, load up on all the, all the condiments. Get everything. Uh, get the sauces. Uh, get the condiment. Get the salt and pepper packets. Get it all. Yeah. And uh, nothing better to travel with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. You want mine? Stuff yeah, I've stuff I've forgotten. Food. Yeah. Food. <laughs> Here, uh, when I was in. When I was in high school, graduating high school, that time frame right there, I did a lot of uh, a lot of uh, mountain fishing trips, and would take buddies or go with buddies, my brother included. And I was bad to when we finally got off work or got out of school and we we're fixing to get to take off and go to just want to, you know, just shag it and get up there as fast as possible, get lines in the water and get fishing. And would not be willing to stop for groceries. And many, many hungry nights were spent thinking, who has any snacks in their back? Yeah. Because uh, brought no food. So I don't do that anymore. Especially when fishing. If you have a bad day of fishing and you don't have snacks, I've said it a million times. Like, just talk about miserable. There was, if I'm having a bad day of fishing, I stop, put my rod up. There was, on one, there was one trip. There was one trip where... 
my buddy had we had a cooler with you know drinks and stuff in it and he had raided his parents fridge and the only thing he'd come up with to throw in there was a pack of bacon and he had told me that he told me he's like oh i got some food and it was literally one pack of bacon so at, at midnight we're we fried an entire pack of bacon and that's what we ate for supper <laughs> so stuff like that um bacon bacon's a survival item uh, what else have you forgotten okay, I've got yeah um for sleeping if you're doing like back in the back country or something or like overnight um i'll take a dry bag i I like to pack everything i have in dry bags um so those are like handy they're not super expensive and you can like it it, if you've got a backpack full it like helps you differentiate you know yellow yellow dry bag can be clothes and red dry bag can be cooking stuff but i have a dry bag for a little small one for my sleeping clothes um i'm generally gonna wear like the stuff that i hike around in if i'm going like for three four five whatever however many days um the stuff that i'm hiking around in, i'm gonna wear like three times four times before i like give up on it maybe not socks but i have the same pair of sleeping clothes that i wear that entire trip that i like will I'll get off my sweating clothes that I've been sweating in all day, and at the end of the day, right before bed, I'll put on that same pair of underwear, same T-shirt. Uh, if it's cold, same pair of socks and hat or whatever, but I keep this clean clothes, and then in the morning when I wake up, I put those back in the bag, and it's just nice to have something clean to put on um, at night. So that's that's something that I do. <clears throat> yeah, that's a good one. Um, also, tinfoil. Tinfoil. For chicken veggies. Yep, tinfoil is a good one. Um I like you don't need the whole roll, just a couple of like you know squares, you know that you can fold up and do like a hobo dinner in the fire where you put some veggies and the burger meat in there and throw it in the coals. It's a real handy tool. I like uh, toothbrush. Uh, <laughs> I've forgotten that for sure. Everybody's went off and went off camping and forgot their toothbrush, but to be honest, I like to I like to have a I like a toothbrush and some toothpaste. Um, that's, that's something I'm interested. <laughs> Something I'm interested in having. Um, let's see. What else? For me, that's that's like the things that I typically forget that that I don't need to forget. i tell you what. Here's a take that I know you struggle with and I have too. And that's having a spare set of keys somewhere. De- mm, that's a great one. Yeah, designated. Because when you're on a trip, whether it's a camping trip, well, any kind of trip, to be honest, but when you're on a trip, you're so gear heavy, everything's gear heavy, like the last thing you're thinking about is your keys and where you're going to put your keys. And your keys tend to get like caught up in the mix of gear or caught up in the action. And eventually when you need your keys, they're gone. And this has happened to you, I know, and it's happened to me. Uh, it's happened to me three times in the exact same location, to be honest. So um, spare keys somewhere that's designated i think that's a good i think that's a good idea mm-hmm. agreed um yeah i will shut it down i i guess um if i have one more to go um maybe like obviously like a little first aid kit um if you, especially if you, you know if you're hiking and going out on a backcountry trip um, stuff for like blisters and things. Uh, wear in your shoes if you're taking shoes, having like nice worn in shoes and not trying to put on a new pair of boots and go. And then um, baby powder. I like baby powder a lot. Uh, 
Yeah, some yeah, some kind of some kind of powder, gold bond, baby powder. I, I think a mm. I think a powder in the when it's July, a powder is nice. Gotta have it. So yeah. Yeah, and then uh, you know if if you're new, um, I guess one thing that I would say is if you're if you're not much of a camper and you're listening, if you're a camper, this may have just all been stuff that you already know, and it may have not been that much fun to listen to. It may have been fun just to get you you know amped about camping. Um, but if you're not a camper and you want um, some tips or you want, well, I think a big barrier to entry could be just not knowing where to go and not wanting to go to like some standard place. I'd be happy to give up some spots um, for new campers. If you say I'm just new to camping and I want to, I'd tell you some of my favorite car camping spots. Cause I mean, you can have a great time with the right location just camping right out of the car and have kind of a luxury situation. So if you email me, Sam at org, I'd, uh, and you're a new camper and want some, want some spots to go try out, I'd be happy to pass them along. Uh, I would too. Yeah, I would I would be happy to tell you the places I've lost my keys. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, that would be, or lock my keys in my truck, more specifically. Yeah. Or would... we can, and, and another thing we can add is camping sites that, you know, are associated with the land trust. If you wanted, if you were interested in camping somewhere that has um, been protected by Three Rivers Land Trust, we could point you in the direction of that too. I and mean, there's some really cool ones as well. So. Yeah. And I think that's a good time for us to say that it's, uh, it's great for everyone who has made a comment on you know our podcast we we certainly appreciate those five star reviews and the comments we love reading them um all you guys have, have said some some great stuff some super nice feedback some funny stuff the everybody that's emailed us you know it's it's super nice to hear from folks and this show the directive it's going is more along the lines of uh something a little more professional than Sam and I have put out in the past. And if you're interested in a topic or there's something you like about the show or something you don't like, I'll be honest, we're, we're open to hear it. Um, yeah, that's a great point, Cody. If you know somebody, too, um, and you wanted to email, email us and just say, like, this person is a an extraordinary local outdoorsman for X reason, um, you know, we'd love to hear that. Yeah, too, we, we're looking to feature folks at this point because mm-hmm. yeah. we're in our third season of this thing. And, you know, Sam and I, we were talking about this before we put it on tonight. Sam and I are, you know, we're okay and we're knowledgeable about some things. And our jobs, we're knowledgeable about those and we can talk about that. But there's only so much content we can put out about the same job we do every day and keep it entertaining. So we want to keep putting content out but we want it to still be entertaining for everyone so love to have you reach out if you or if you're somebody that's listening and you've got a cool job man hit us up we would love to talk to you about it worst case scenario we say that that's a sucky idea yeah worst case scenarios we're super nice to you and (laughs) we send you we send you worst case scenarios we turn you away and send you a something free in the mail like a richardson hat you know i mean that's that's what I, that's what I'm talking about is you know we're looking to we're looking to bump this thing up a notch and we're looking for our list we're looking to our listeners to go in the direction you want us to go so please uh, feel free to reach out and this is nothing to do with that but while we've sat here talking for the past hour fifteen Sam I have carved into my desk with a nail a dude wielding a sword 
at a Viking ship that is being taken under by a Kraken. All this is carved in my desk. Permanently carved in with a finished nail. I'm yeah. sitting in the basement of my cabin at a um, at a plywood table that's sitting on top of a toilet in a box and in the other <laughs> toilet box. And I've been writing my notes for this podcast on the table. Um on the plywood here so I'm going to have to scratch this out yeah. <laughs> I'm not the only one doodling yeah I mean this is what we're doing when we're, when we're <laughs> and so uh, in our future podcast you're going to be able to see exactly what we're doing because there are going to be yeah. video cameras on it so <laughs> get you some of that action yeah um, alright no more no more Viking ships yeah podcast. yeah no more dudes wielding swords um, <laughs> maybe talk to you next week yeah <laughs> <laughs> Don't count on it. <laughs> Alright, that's it. If you're like us, you're riding down the road listening to the podcast on your commute. When you get to where you're going, don't forget. Like us on Facebook. Check us out at our website, threeriverslandtrust.org. There you can find out about all the events we're putting on, all the conservation work we're doing, how you can get involved, and how you can help. We'd love to meet like-minded individuals and get you involved in conservation. Till next time.